0: Hebrews chapter 13. One last time, this is James Earl Jones reading our text in the King
1: James Version. Hebrews chapter 13. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you pray for us for we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly but I beseech you the rather to do this that I may be restored to you the sooner now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus that great Shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting Covenant make you perfect and every good work to do his will working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ To whom be glory forever and ever amen and i beseech you brethren suffer the words of exhortation for i have written a letter unto you in few words know ye that our brother timothy is set at liberty with whom if he comes shortly i will see you salute all them that have the rule over you and all the saints they of italy salute you grace be with you all amen
0: In Mark chapter 4, and echoed in another place, Jesus called his disciples to listen to him tell a story called, popularly known as the parable of the sower. Others would call it the parable of the seed, and others would say, no, it's the parable of the soils. It's about a farmer who went out with precious seed, casting it everywhere, broadcasting the seed. Some seed fell on the path, the hard ground. Some seed fell on stony ground. Some seed fell on thorny ground. And some seed fell on good ground. And the good ground bore fruit. The thorny ground bore fruit, but because of uh, competition with the thorns, the weeds, it choked out the seed and it was unfruitful. The stony ground immediately sprung up, excited to grow but because there was not much depth, the sun, the rain, the wind beat on it, and the roots were not deep enough to sustain the storms, the difficulties. I'm embellishing the story a little bit, but if you read it, I'm not violating it. It did not bear fruit. And then the seed that fell on the wayside never did take root, and the enemy stole the seed, pictured in the story by the birds of the air that came and ate the seed. In the Christian life, there is the presence of God. We enjoy that when we worship. There's the people of God. We enjoy that through friendship and fellowship. If you don't think you need the people of God, you're missing out on a major part of the Christian life. Tell your neighbor, thank God for you. (laughs) But then there's also the principles of God, the Word of God, which is foundation to everything. And the enemy wants to steal it from you. And if he can keep you from hearing it and making his word a priority, where it's just something you listen to occasionally when you feel like it on a Sunday morning or when you take a good liking to tune your radio to listen to some word or when you feel like reading a scripture out of your promise box, the word that doesn't take root doesn't bear fruit. And the word that falls on stony ground or those issues in our life we don't want to let go of. And when things happen that offend us, we stomp off and violate the Word. And so if you have issues you want to hold on to, prejudices, hatreds, bitternesses, unforgivenesses, the Word will not be effective and bear fruit in your life. And if you have a lot of other things in your life, a lot of other priorities, that's like the thorny ground, the Word will not be fruitful because... Jesus is Lord of all, or he's not Lord, basically. He is Lord. He'll help you see the issues where you're at. But if you want a fruitful Christian life where you enjoy the Lord, it doesn't mean you're going to have a problem-free life. Who knows a problem-free life is an illusion? Can't be. There's problems in life. But if you want to have a fruitful life, make God's Word a priority in your life. So with that being said, let's read this part of the New Testament, that holy men of God wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We're going to read verse 17 through 21. We already spoke on verse 17 last week. I just want to read it again. It says, Obey those, notice the word those, which is a plural. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. That may be one of the most disobeyed verses in the Bible because we're Americans. Nobody's going to rule over us, right? But no one rules over us through force. That's manipulation. That's, That's what a cult does. But we submit to those who are leaders in our life. If you have no leaders in your life, Then you're a rolling stone. No, no fruit is going to come from the word in your life. Basically, you're just floating around, church hopping. If you're a church hopper today, my prayer is that this service is an oasis for you, and you leave here encouraged, but with a fresh determination to find a place to call home and get planted there. Now, if they make you sign a covenant, uh, that's that's cultic. God has to lead you, right? Not by people's. We had a church in town that had people sign covenants. A pastor preached on covenant for six weeks. And then he had everybody in the church sign covenants. And if someone felt led to leave the church, he accused them of breaking covenant. You signed a covenant, you're breaking covenant. Then he forbade members to have anything to do with that person that broke covenant. Well, that church doesn't exist anymore. That's comparing church membership to the marriage covenant. It's different. Marriage is for life, right? Vatos for life. (laughs) That's what Yvette and I tell each other. Divorce never, murder maybe, till death do we part. (laughs) But in church membership, you're submitting to the leadership in the house, and I'm not promoting myself at all. This may not be where the Lord's planning you, but go somewhere with leaders that you trust and become part of the body, and the Lord will raise you up to be a leader. Amen. And leaders that shun away from this also ignore those strong verses where Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Well, I'm not going to tell anybody that because I may not follow Christ. Well, then you're not accepting the challenge of being a leader. (laughs) All right. Verse 18. Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. But I especially urge you to do this that I may be restored to you sooner, the sooner. So this was a leader writing this who loved them. So if you weren't here Sunday last week, I encourage you to listen to it. It's a strong word. I'm surprised that it was preached here. All right, verse 20 and 21. This is where we're heading today. It's a blessing, a prayer. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, That great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is will-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This book, for 10 chapters, declared the glories of Jesus, his greater Uh, characteristics, his better attributes. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than the demons. He's greater than the priesthood. He's greater than the temple. He's greater than the old covenant. He's greater than the blood of red heifers. He's greater. Who knows? Jesus is great. So in light of that greatness, he prays this prayer. May the God of peace make you complete, verse 21, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. Now, the old King James says, uh, make you perfect. The Greek word there, and I'm not a Greek scholar. I was glad when that third semester was over. Is the word katatizo. It means to make complete thoroughly. It literally means to make fresh. That word was used when the Lord crossed paths with a couple fishermen who were mending their nets, or they were making their nets complete. Who knows, you can't catch fish with an incomplete net, right? (laughs) Holes in your net. Uh, Paul used the word in one of his letters uh, in Galatians 6 about restoring the fallen brothers. The word for restore is the word katatizo. Make this brother complete. Restore him. Fulfill your purpose. Make him fresh. Who knows, we all need a new beginning. So this is a prayer. May the God of peace make you renewed, refreshed, complete, whole, perfect for the purpose of God in your life. In every good work, to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Who knows, God is working. God is working. We're going to speak today on honoring our God who works. May the God of peace, he did the work to make peace with us. Through the work of Christ on the cross, all the work was done. When Jesus said it is finished, he gave up the ghost. His spirit departed his body, his earthly body. He had done the work to secure Peace, to bridge the gap between man and God, to pay the penalty that was owed. When someone owes you, there's kind of a disturbance in the relationship, right? Until forgiveness happens, the relationship is strained. In fact, Peter told husbands to love your wives, dwell with your wives with understanding so that your prayers are not hindered. And so, when forgiveness happens, it builds a bridge. It completes a gap. It makes complete. It mends the net. It makes the net become a net that works. No good to have a network if it doesn't work, right? And so, God is able to fix a fix that will fix you through the fixing that was accomplished on the cross. May the God of peace, verse 21, make you complete in every good work. To do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. So I know according to Isaiah 64, our righteousness is as filthy rags. And I know the New Testament says not by works of righteousness that we have done, but God in his grace has saved us, regenerated us, sanctified us, justified us, made us his own. So it's not by our works. It's by his works. Who knows that's true? But it's for a purpose. We're not saved and useless. That's fire insurance religion. And the world sees through that. I was at a funeral for a young man that died drunk in a stolen vehicle, naked. And that preacher put him right inside the pearly gates. Now, I'm not saying he should have put him in hell in his sermon, but, you know, say something like, where this young man is right now, he wants you to know that you need Jesus, because life is fragile. Pay attention to where you're going. And it was dozens of young people there listening to this. No doubt it was confusing to them. So here it is, the God who made peace for us, may he, verse 21, make you complete in every good work to do his will. Can we say do? Do. So God has a will for us to do, and how does he make us complete to do that will? Working in you, what is well-pleasing in his sight? God is working in you. Years ago, my father was friends with a gospel quartet. It was actually a family, the Singing Hemp Hills. Has anybody heard of the Singing Hemp Hills? Joel Hemphill and his wife, Labriska, they wrote amazing songs. One was, When small men cast long shadows, the sun is sinking fast. When wrong is enthronged and truth is in shackles, the day is almost past. Well, they had a little girl named Candy who grew up, and she wrote a song that became an international hit. And her song was, He's still working on me. He's still working on me. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and faithful he must be. Sorry, I'm really messing up the tune. But he's still working on me. So God's working on me and he's working in me, and I want to honor that part of his nature today, maybe in a way you haven't heard before. Here's some characteristics of his workings. Creation is the working of Almighty God. Maybe you haven't seen it as such, but the Bible opens with this verse. In the beginning, God created. What is that? Work. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, And void, it needed work. And darkness was on the face of the deep. Somebody needed to turn some lights on. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I mean, if I had the ability to hover, that would be work, right? Hummingbirds hover. That's kind of work. And then God says, and His Word goes to work, let there be light. And there was light. And every time He established something new, here comes order. Let there be light, there was light. And God said, let the light be separated from the darkness. You ever think about what a blessing that is, that we have a distinction between light and dark? Otherwise, we would live in the gray all the time. Or maybe you're driving down the road, you don't have your headlights on, it's a bright sunny day, and suddenly you you drive through a patch of dark. (gasps) There'd be car wrecks everywhere. So God establishes order. So he says, let there be, a glorious explosion happens, then he establishes order. Let their seed bear fruit after its kind. Let animals, male and female, bear fruit after their kind. First he creates, then he establishes order. So at the end of all that, the next chapter says, thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished, and on the seventh day God ended his... Work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his which he had done. Now it's interesting. The six days had an evening and a morning. The seventh day, there's no evening and morning. To me, it points to heaven, eternal life. There is no beginning and no ending, it's just ongoing. So creation is the working of God. Can somebody say God works? God delegated doing work to his son. There was a blind man that Jesus healed. And before he healed the blind man, his disciples asked him, who sinned? Is this guy blind because of his sin or because of his parents' sin? And who knows? Sometimes sin can make you suffer. Sometimes your children can suffer. But it's not always the cause of suffering. I mean, if you want to blame somebody, blame Adam. You know, it all goes back to his misdoing. John 9, Jesus answered them, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus came showing the world what the Father was like. He said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Bible says He is God manifested in the flesh, and He came to fulfill a mission, which was doing work for His Father. And then He assigned good works to us. He opens His Big sermon there in Matthew 5 with the words, you are the light of the world. Verse 14, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So we're supposed to let them see our good works. Now, it's not all about our brand, like these shoeboxes going out. We're not putting Generations Church on them. We want the Lord's body to get credit for it so that the world will glorify our Father in heaven. Let them see your good works. So this is delegated to us. And it's not just about participating in doing good through programs, but it's walking in the light and shining the light. When you get an opportunity to do good, it is the will of God for you to do it. Characteristics of his workings. He works all things according to his will. Throw God a curve and he's going to hit a home run. Strike him out and you're actually going to be wrong. (laughs) Ephesians 1. In the opening of this amazing letter to the church in Ephesus, Paul writes that we are being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Everything he works out for his will. There's a proverb that says God made all things for himself, even the wicked for the day of doom. Apparently, Judgment Day, the day of doom, has a purpose. And he, <laughs> he made everything for his purpose. And some people's purpose is going to be fulfilled on the day of doom. It's like some folks are just going to be firewood. So God is awesome. Can I get an amen? amen. We are created in him by his works. His works brought us into the kingdom. Titus 3 verse 4 says when the kindness and love of God our savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, not by our works. But because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And he goes on and describes all these amazing things he does, which is his work. And then a few verses later, he says, and be committed to doing good works. So if there's any good works in our life, it's because of a response to his good work. So our good works is not to earn his good works. It's not even to pay him back. It's just to show appreciation. Jesus told a parable of two people that were forgiven debts. One was forgiven a debt far greater than the other one. And he asked the listeners, who will love the forgiver the most? Oh, the one who was forgiven the most. They'll love the most. So that's what God is doing. He's creating a redeemed people who will love him for eternity. Because he has forgiven us of a lot. You may not have a grasp of that because your testimony doesn't involve a lot of wickedness. But if you could see your potential, you could see what the Lord saved you from. Who knows it's better to be saved from than saved out of. It's great to be saved out of an ocean storm. You're about to drown. But it's even better to be saved from being in the ocean at that time. So we are created in him by his good work. We are created in him for good works. I love this passage. I love it, I love it, I love it. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's his works, not mine. For we are his workmanship, See, it's his work, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The things he's called us to do, when we begin to fulfill those things, we are walking in the works that God has prepared beforehand for you and I to walk in. Who's ready to answer the call and say, yes, Lord? He may not call you and I to go to Alaska, but we need to be willing to go. That's what he wants, right? Is he God? Does he not have a right to call us wherever he wants? Surrender to him. You are his workmanship created in Christ for good works. God will finish the work he began in us. Not only is he a worker, he's a finisher. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Being confident, Philippians 1.6, of this very thing, this thing right here, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Don Moen used to sing, He who began a good work in you, He who began a good work in you, will be faithful to complete it, will be faithful to complete it. He who started the work will be faithful to complete it in you. Tell your other neighbor, he's not done with you yet. <laughs> so when someone tells you, why are you so annoying? Just say, the Lord's faithful to complete, he's just not done yet. Characteristics of his workings. He presently, present tense, can we say now? He presently continues to work within us. We are not deists. You know what deism is. It's a belief in the Creator God, like a watchmaker who winds up the watch and then walks off and leaves it alone. No, he's very much involved in our lives because. There's another dimension beyond this dimension he's called us to, and he's preparing us for that dimension. If he doesn't work in the now, when we go to heaven, it'll become earth too. There'll be fights and needs for reconciliation and tears. It's a place where there's not going to be any tears, no hurt feelings. Why? We're going to become like Jesus, so he's working in us. Amen. He presently continues to work with us. Philippians 2, Paul told the church in Philippi, Therefore, verse 12, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Remember he had to get out of town in a hurry? That's where he went to jail, remember, was beaten. As you have always obeyed, and then the parenthetical statement, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. But now much more in my absence, continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to do or to act according to his purpose. So we work out what God works in. You see that? It's not working for. I got to keep our prepositions and metaphors and uh, figures of speech all in order here. We work out our salvation which God has worked in us So he's working in you for a purpose. Let it come out. He saved you from drugs. There are people that need help getting free from drugs. So what God has worked in, he wants to work out. You see that? Young people, ask your neighbor, have you been working out? Oh, my kids would be horrified. Dad, you're so random. Characteristics of his workings. The Lord who calls us is faithfully working to sanctify each of us completely. Completely. You know, as long as you're still alive, he's still working. So this concept, I'm going to get to heaven by the skin of my teeth, Just throw that concept out. The Lord is keeping you alive so he can work on you. There will be no Kool-Aid served here today. He calls us, he's faithfully working to sanctify each of us completely. The church in Thessalonica, chapter five, Paul's first letter, verse 23, he said, this is his prayer blessing to them. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do. This is not just a metaphor. It's not just a symbol language. He is doing it. Your whole person, your spirit, your soul, your body, getting you shook loose from sin. He's using his word to do it, he's using worship to do it, and he's using his people to do it. Allow your brothers and sisters to minister to you when you need help. We should pray to be established by our God in every good word and work. His second letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 16. Here's another blessing. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. So what is he working on? He's working on our speech. He's working on our conduct. Well, oh, is this one of those behavior modification churches? No. It's Christ-conforming church. That's what we want to be. Amen. You can have good works all day long and be as mean as a snake to those less perfect than you. But if we're conformed to the image of Christ, we become like him. May our Lord Jesus Christ and our Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you. So people are thankful for the comfort. A lot of the epistles start with great theology and then here comes how to live. There was a guy in town that had a Bible study in his garage and he tackled the first half of all the epistles and ignored the rest of them. This is not candy stick religion. We don't eat what we want and leave the rest alone and throw it out. It's not for us today. It is for us today. He is establishing us in every good word and every work. All right, there's two bonuses. We need the Lord's help to please Him. Who knows that? This is not a call to a higher walk by your own. Power? We can't pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps. we got to have some help, right? But he transforms our heart where we live out of a sense of appreciation and inspiration rather than desperation and perspiration. We need his help, and we began with this this morning. Now, may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, Through the blood of the everlasting covenant, that's what makes all this possible. Our fine has been paid. Not only are we forgiven, but the misdoing has been made right. May He make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well pleasing in His sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. So, this is the prayer. For God to help us. And that's what His working is. His working is helping us. Well, I don't like it when things don't go my way. And you probably are tempted to get offended at your brother and sister that may not do things the way you want. Meanwhile, God's behind the scenes orchestrating stuff. We need to put our lives in His hands and not get frustrated with one another. Who's the real boss in our life? Who is the real source of our life? Yvette and I in our marriage were greatly helped when two things happen. One, we embraced each other as God's perfect gift to each other. She needs me in her life, warts and all. When she embraced that fact, it may have felt like hugging a cactus, but like sandpaper, polishing a gem, the Lord used me in her life and vice versa. And the other thing (laughs) is two prayers. She's frustrated with me. She prays, Lord, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And Lord, I pray. Place Alan's heart in your hand, and I back off. And my prayer is I approach God as my father-in-law and say, Father, would you please deal with your daughter? (laughs) And I back off. I'm not saying to not speak up. I'm not saying to not speak up. But once you've spoken up, do you want to begin a life of strife where it's nonstop bickering? Who remembers the Bickersons? It was the comedians, a husband and wife. I don't know if they were really husband and wife. Probably just performing. And their comedy was them fighting. Every episode on their records, I think they made a couple records, the Bickersons, you can look them up sometime. Just ridiculous arguments over and over and over again. Fighting, bickering. That's got to stop, folks. That's not like Jesus. Let's let's strike out strife. Strife. What area of my life am I walking in strife? Am I at odds with someone that I have an attitude towards? Put them in God's hands. And you know what? Really, it's not putting them in God's hands. It's putting me in God's hands. When Yvette prayed that prayer based on the heart of the king in the hand of the Lord, she was putting herself in the hand of the Lord. When I was praying, Father, please deal with your daughter, I really was putting my heart in God's hands. And sometimes in prayer, I sing this little song. My life is in your hands. I give it unto you. Released from my own grasp, I give it unto you. And I sing that as often as I need to. My life is in your hands. I give it unto you, released from my own grasp, I give it unto you. And then the chorus is, and I rest in your hands, I rest in your hands, I rest in your hands, my life is in your hands. And if I'm really serious, I'll take my watch off. I'll take my shoes off. Watch is symbolic of my time. Shoes is symbolic of my path. Take my keys out, symbolic of my authority. Take my wallet out, symbolic of my potential or my possessions. Take my glasses off, surrendering my weaknesses to the Lord. And I tell you, folks, there is so much power in surrender because you can't hurt a dead man. So where I have the most problems is me. I'm the most dangerous member of this church. I mess up, it does the most damage, so we must surrender to the Lord. So God's, work isn't he working on me-, on me anyway? Yes, but it's less painful when you come under the anesthetic of surrender. So where are you frustrated with? Give it to God and surrender your will. Not my will, but thine be done. Got to move on before I sing another song. <laughs> he makes all things work together for good. Give him a mess, he'll make a message. Give him a trial, he'll make, a tri- he'll make triumph. Give him a test, he'll give you testimony. Some of it's you're doing, some of, it, some of it maybe somebody else is doing. Who's glad they're part of the We Know Club? We know that all things, can we say Everything works together. Maybe not individual things, but everything together works together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So what is he working for? He's conforming us to the image of Jesus. And who's making everything work for good? The Lord is. The Lord is. I believe in healing, but I ultimately believe in the ultimate healing. Right? So we do have it both ways. We have an expectations for healing on this side. and If that doesn't happen, permanent eternal life healing on the other side. Right? In fact, all healing on this side is temporary anyway. Has anybody crossed paths with Lazarus lately? Why not? He ought to be on a tour bus. I'm the guy the Lord raised from the dead. He had to die again. Now he could come up with a confession and try to blackmail God. God, your word says it's appointed unto man once to die. What's going on? It's a general principle is appointed and the man wants to die. But in his case, that once was the ultimate death, not the temporary one. It was a time in my life I had cherry-picked, cherry-picking theology about healing. I had built a case like I could blackmail God into doing what I want for healing. I had the answers. yes. No one of the Lord had us close that church. And my mother in law moved in with us. Yvette's daddy passed. She went to the funeral. And two weeks later, I go to the airport to pick her up. And her mom is with her. Oh, how nice! How nice. We didn't know she was coming. And after a few days, we noticed something was wrong. She was saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. And we're in our early 30s. She lived with us for two and a half years. The first half year was rough because of me. This is Yvette's mom. She loves her, right? I didn't sign up for this, but yet I did make the vow for better or worse, right? And I worked my formulas. I took her to a Reinhardt Bonky healing meeting. We served communion. We worked all the little formulas and all the cherry-picked promise box scriptures, not looking at the whole scripture. And one day in prayer, I had it out with God. I was in Lawton, Oklahoma with Billy Leckie. We were there to minister at a church called Grace Fellowship. And one afternoon we're praying, and I just said, God, what is the deal? It's been six months. This hardship has come into our home. It's not fair. We're too young for this. We have small children. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. Who knows? Unmet expectations causes us problems, right? We're to live every day as the Lord wills. And I finally got it all out. All my bitterness was out there before the Lord. My disappointments, disheartening. And the Lord asked me a question. Do you want me to use you? Well, yes. Yes, I started to get excited. Yes, I want you to use me. I'm thinking, tents, PA systems, 18-wheelers, TV programs god's going to use me mightily so full of myself it was terrible and god generally if he speaks to you it's with questions and you come to the epiphany so here was the answer it was a question yes i want you to use me said then can i trust you to show this sick woman my unconditional love. That was it. I knew what that meant. I was assigned to show this lady my unconditional love. It wasn't based on my expectations being met. It wasn't based on anything other than being a loyal son who honored me with her daughter in the bonds of holy matrimony by agreeing to give her away. I went home to Irving, Texas, a new man committed to showing a lady God's unconditional love. We did not know it would not be the rest of our life. It felt like the rest of our life, but peace came. So be it. If it's the rest of our life, I'm going to show her God's unconditional love. And of course, we knew what to expect is that it was Alzheimer's. We're pretty sure that she had. If it goes on, it could lead to some other difficulties, and we weren't equipped for that, and she's not a U.S. citizen, so a nursing home's not going to be a, a possibility, and we're just going to move forward in faith. And while she was still able to travel, after two and a half years, Yvette flew with her to see her sister, Yvette's older sister, named Cheryl, 10 years older than her, lived in Durban, South Africa, took her to see Cheryl. Cheryl kept her the rest of her life. She lived another two and a half years in her daughter's home with a doctor caring for her. And I came to Granbury different than I would have been had that not happened. No goofy badges for me on that. But that's how God works. Did he make her sick? No. We don't have the answers to everything. I just know I was called to show someone God's unconditional love. There's something self serving about wanting your mother in law to be perfect in every aspect so that your life is hunky dory, right? (laughs) Let's pray. Lord, I have said enough. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that what you're doing in the lives of my brothers and sisters would become so obvious to them that they would embrace their cross wholeheartedly. And where we blame the devil, Lord, forgive us. You're God. He's not. He's not even your opposite. He's just a liar that's floating around out there. Lord, help us to embrace the truth that you're working on us and you're working in us. And Lord, may we fulfill the calling of being made complete that you called us to. Without fear or favor, Lord, may we surrender to you wholeheartedly. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. working
0: I cannot imagine the pain that some of you are in. And I hope that nothing I said would be taken as an effort to minimize that with some sort of formula. But the truth is, God is not surprised by what's happening. And He is using it for His glory. And so it is best to go ahead And submit to him, not to the circumstances, but submit to the Lord. Cast your cares, all your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. Cast, throw away, not like a fisherman. A fisherman casts and then he reels it back. Don't reel it back. Cast and cut the line. Lord, my life is yours. I surrender. (laughs) I surrender. And get your megaphone and walk around your house and declare, even when I don't see it You're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even, even when, when I, I don't, don't see it, it you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working.
2: You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see you work again. Even when I don't feel it, you never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working.
0: Hallelujah. I feel like like somebody's thinking, is he ever going to stop? Yes, I am. I'm done. I'm done. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless (laughs) as you walk through this test. First the test, then comes the money. Who's ready for the money? Amen. God bless you. Go get them, Tigers. Thank you so much.